I could not help but <clears throat> think as we were singing that song that to share with you, uh, Bonnie, Michelle, and Andrea, and the loss of your loved ones, always know that Christ will hold you fast. I, I'll be honest with you, it's been a, uh, a tough week for a lot of people. And as I was thinking about this service, and being in Jonah chapter 2, I could not help but think of some of the ways we cry out to God. It's like a story, kind of humorous, one of two hunters that are in the woods without their weapons and all of a sudden the grizzly gets after them. <clears throat> And I've always told people when I go hunting, if something gets after us, I don't have to be the fastest one. I just got to be faster than the person I'm beside. But this bear gets after these two hunters. They had no weapons, and they began to run as fast as they possibly could. And they couldn't think of anything else to do but to pray. So one of the hunters just drops to his knees and says, Dear Lord, I pray that this bear is a Christian bear. And they begin to try to run again. And all of a sudden, the bear caught up with them. And the bear dropped to his knees and said, Lord, thank you for the meal I'm about to receive. <laughs> now, I know that that seems silly. And he said, Chad, why would you go with a sense of humor to start off this service of seriousness? Because to be quite honest, I think some of the things we lift up to God is humorous. You see, we are to cry out to God continually. And if I were to ask you today, what do you cry out to God for, what would you tell me? I'm sure many people last week cried out that they would win that $2 million lottery. I guarantee you they did. Everybody prays. But what are they praying for and what do they pray to? You see, as we begin in the second chapter of Jonah, I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest of what happened in the first chapter. Again, we talked about Jonah who was commanded by God to go to Nineveh. Remember, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It is a place that is very well hated by the Jews. And Jonah is commanded, and we, we, we know that he prophesied in the northern kingdom during the time of Jeroboam II, okay? And he's got his own issues around him. God plucks him up and tells him, look, go preach to those at Nineveh. And again, as we discussed last week, a lot of times our Sunday school lessons that we get into talk about Jonah the well, and it's cute, and it's all nice. But when we get to the heart of the matter of these chapters, what we will find out is that Jonah, even though he was a believer, he thought he could go as far away from God as he could because he didn't like the Ninevites. So he decides to flee to Tarshish, which is on the shore of Spain, which is a long way away, and all of a sudden a storm comes up. And let me tell you, people, that I want you to understand that it's amazing what God will use to get our attention. 
So he brings this storm up, and he's sleeping. Maybe he was sleeping, in the, as I said last week, in his own complacency uh, because, you know, maybe he had a false sense of security. Even the pagan people said, what have you done to get this wrath to come upon us? He says, pick me up and throw me in the water. I'm the cause of this. Isn't it amazing that God, even in his sovereignty, used Jonah's example to touch the heart of pagan men who would cry out to God? God always has a purpose and a plan. But what you will see at the end of chapter 1, <clears throat> Jonah is thrown into the sea, and the Bible tells us he has been eaten by a great fish. Now, some of y'all may have a hard time believing that, but it is a recorded incident in 1881 about a man named James Bartley who was actually eaten by a sperm whale and he was in its stomach for three days. And when they found him, he was unconscious but alive. And he lived in the belly of this fish. Now, the Bible does not say a whale. We don't know what kind of fish it was, but, you know, I don't know if you, if you've ever watched the, the show River Monsters, there's some pretty nasty fish in the world. There's always a bigger fish. But Jonah gets thrown into the sea, and I want you to think about something before I get into this lesson this morning and read the text. God was merciful to Jonah in that sea because he could have drowned. Sometimes we miss that part of the story. Here you are flailing around in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, I don't know how many of you have ever swam in rough waters, but it's not fun. But Jonah could have drowned. But God, in his mercy, sent a fish to save him. And we'll begin in chapter 2. So Jonah's in the belly of this fish for three days. Now, I can't imagine where it says he's in the stomach of the fish. And I'm not going to gross you out. I cut meat for many years, and I've seen some awful stuff in stomachs. Now, I don't know what smells repulse you, but I can tell you where he was was not a pleasant place to be. It stunk. It's not like a cartoon. He didn't have a lighter to give him light. He was in a dark, nasty, acidic stinking place. Well, you may say, well, how is that merciful? Oh, let's read the book. Please stand with me as we read Jonah chapter 2, 1 through 10. <clears throat> then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried from the help of the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Keep that in mind. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. You hear that? The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. 
and I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever, but you have brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will repay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. Let us pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, Lord, teach us. Show us. Lead us through your word. Your will be done. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said... Now, if we could go back to the first slide, I want you to look at this for a few moments. I called out in my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. Now, I want you to think about this for a few moments. We have to take into consideration that the distress that I talked about earlier in my little humorous, humorous little illustration there, a lot of us call out to God in situations when they are bad, as we should. You're to call upon the Lord when the things are bad and the things are good because he alone is worthy to be praised. Regardless of the situation. But he says, I called out unto my distress to the Lord and he answered me. Now I could do a lot of theology just on that one verse right there. But I want you to hear what's happening. In his distress, consider this, it was his own making. Remember how I was telling you last week, I talked to believers here. Now listen, I'm continuing the same. A lot of the distress that we're in, we have brought on ourselves. Now that doesn't mean, and I'll go a little bit deeper in this in a few moments, that what you're going through is your fault. But in this situation, he had a clear call from God, and he ran. The true heart of a believer that is backslidden, listen to me. Do people backslide? Yes, they do. But the true heart of one that backslides comes to the realization that it's his fault. If you live like hell and have no conviction of it, you will make it there. One that is backslidden knows that they are distressed by their own making. Look what he says. He answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep. Do you see that? The sailors didn't do it. God did. Why? Because he ran. He was cast in the deep by God into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. I did this, and now I'm paying the price. One thing that we all must understand as born-again believers, we need to look to ourselves to see if we're a source of the problem. I used to have this funny little recording. It was called the police station's answering machine. And you listen to it, it says, welcome for calling your, or thank you for calling your local police department. We're not available right now, but please leave a message. Press one if you're whining about a station, uh, situation in which you created Number two, to proclaim that our career is over or to take our badge, press number two. To help your chemical dependency, press three. To raise your children, press four. And it went on and on, and y'all don't think it's humorous as I do, but I think it's great. I'm going to tell you why. 
because we often look to others to solve our problems that we created. Have you ever thought it might be your fault? And what Jonah is doing here is I want you to think about this. He is crying, I cry from the depths of Sheol, the grave. He is in the stomach of a fish, people. It stinks. It's nasty. But in his strength, he cries out to the Lord because he says, For you had cast me in the deep, in the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, and your breakers and billows passed over me. Next slide. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Do you see this? That's the realization I'm talking about. Listen. He realizes, God, I did this. And I need your restoration. I caused this problem. And I want to reiterate that fact this morning. Please listen to me. As I said last week, always examine your heart first. Isn't it amazing how we always look to blame others for our situations? You know, it's amazing. I'll use this story. Several years, well, it's been more than several years ago. I have two grown children, as you know. And never will forget, my wife was teaching at the school, and a teacher had said that my son said something. And me and Tiffany went, not my child. No, not mine. Mine's raised in a godly home. They wouldn't say that, and they got in a lot of trouble for something they said. My wife was upset. She called me at work. I was upset. I said, them teachers, it's always the teacher's fault, ain't it? Teachers, y'all know this. Always y'all's fault. Always the teacher's fault. So my wife went and said, I want to know what my son said. She said this, I don't believe that. She went my son and said, Stephen, did you say that? Absolutely. Now you talking about humbling? Who do we blame for our problems? If we act that way and our children act that way, then they see it from us, correct? Is that the way a godly way to live? And we never want to take responsibility for our own making? Not me. Always point at somebody else. But the true heart of a believer, he realizes the reason he's been expelled because it's his own fault. Nevertheless, I will look again to your holy temple. This is beautiful. I failed, God. Now I need to get my eyes back right where they need to be. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me out of my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. Now look what he says next. And I'm going to give you some points. This is beautiful. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. You see, in this situation, just like in every other situation, we got to understand that there may be a reason why we're going through what we're going through. Not always. And I'll get to that. But if I could give you some points of this story, I want you to look at what Jonah is doing here that I hope would be applicable to your life. He says, I remember. What did he remember? Well, number one, he remembered God's word. You see what he says? If you go back to the first slide, you will see something very interesting. The imagery here, I called out of my distress in the Lord. I cried from the help from the depth of Sheol. I can't, you have cast me into the deep. What he is doing is essentially 
repeating or regurgitating Psalm 18.6, 42.7, and 31.22. Jonah knew the word. Guys, whenever there's any stress in your life, you need to remember the word of God. That's the first place that you should go if you've got questions about your life, questions about where to go. When we pray, we speak to God. When we read God's word, he speaks to us. See, I can't, you know, I can't elaborate on that enough. This past Wednesday, as, as the church was, was mourning and dealing and praying and struggling God's word, we all knew the words of Job by the time we left. Though you slay me, I will trust in you. Because it's only the believer that knows that regardless of whatever may happen, whether I live or whether I die, I'm in God's hands and let the chips fall where they may. Remember God's word. How well you know God's word? Do you study it regularly? Or do you just listen to what I say? Let me tell you something, people. I will let you down. Other people will. That's why Paul credited the Bereans to see that every word he said was true. You examine Scripture. I'm a depraved human being that only by the grace of God has been saved. I make mistakes. God is mistakeless. His word is true. How well do you read it? Do you know it? This week is... Tiffany and I spent a lot of time talking, and yesterday on the way home from the hospital, I would like to share some words as we've been repeating continuously. Another Psalm of David. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired unless I had believed. I would have despaired. Why? Because David knew by the hand of the Almighty God that he would see God's goodness regardless in the land of the living. Do you quote scripture? Do you remember the word of God when you're in distress? You see, I can't reiterate the fact. I got a little excited Wednesday. Boy, we packed the place out. I hadn't had that many people on Wednesday since I believe we've been here. And you know what? I hope and pray to God you come back. Because iron sharpens iron, people. And this morning, as we were getting deep into scripture... Guys, I don't want to really beat this horse, but I want to beat it for a very purpose. Scripture is not shallow. That was brought up this morning. Scripture is deep. And as born-again believers in Christ, that is the first place that we should be looking. Because godly wisdom greater outweighs man's. You see, Jonah first remembered the scriptures. He would cry out the Psalms. I am in distress. Who can deliver me? See, he's quoting Psalms of David. You see, David knew what distress was about. But David's also the one that said, I would have despaired unless I had believed. Truly trusting in God's sovereignty and his hand upon you. Number two, what else did he do? Not only did he remember God's word, he repented of his sins. This is very important, people. A lot of times we go through what we're going through is because there's sin in the camp. 
Now, we don't like to hear that, but let me ask you a question. Is your life in order? Is your home in order? Is your children in order? Do you live an orderly workplace? Will I work in an orderly? Do you, does your life represent Christ in the workplace? I'm going to share something with you this morning that I bet you didn't know about that somebody shared with me yesterday. I got a phone call from Michael, co-worker of Michael's. He said, are you Pastor Chad? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I just want to let you know what kind of man he was. I said, that's awesome. He said, brother, I can say one thing. He lived it. That got me. Because I'm going to tell you why. There are so many people that don't. Our lives, regardless of where we are, should reflect Jesus. We wonder sometimes why we're in misery, because our lives are not pleasing to his name. Look to yourself first. He repented of his sins. Look what he says. Third slide. Look what he says. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay salvationist from the Lord. Do you repent of your sin, believer? Or do you keep wallowing in it? You're never going to grow in Christ until you live for Christ. You see, the thing about Jonah was this. So if I fall, I'll get back up. Maybe. Jonah understood that his problem was himself. He also understood that there's forgiveness available if he'll cry out for it. You see, please understand that no matter how far you get, you cannot escape the Lord's hand. I see so many people claiming to believers, be believers that are miserable. Let me tell you something. I would rather be physically miserable and be in God's will than be spiritually miserable and be out of it. Do you hear me? I would rather be physically, physically, physically miserable and be in the will of God than be spiritually miserable and be out of it. He repented of his sins. And let me tell you something about repenting. It means to turn. You see, all of us have turned left where we should have turned right. And I praise God that we serve a forgiving God that will hear us when we will ask for mercy and forgiveness. You see, we're often quick to judge people. Have you ever thought about that? See, y'all should have been here Wednesday. We talked about that with Job. You see, Job's friends began to torment him. Look what you've done. And you know, there's, there are, they are friends that are right. There are friends in a lot of situations that will tell us, man, we've done this by our own making. But let me tell you this. A Christian brother that loves another brother, that confronts him in their sin, always does it with the purpose of restoration, not condemnation. 
But there's always those people. I didn't originate this, but I thought it was great. It's from Pastor Brian Bell. But I want you to listen to what he said, the illustration he used. So you're in the pit like Jonah. You're in this pit. A counselor would come by and say, I feel your pain. A logic professor would come by and say, it's logical that somebody would fall in this pit. A politician would say, well, I'm going to form a committee to talk about how to get you out of this pit. A Pharisee would tell you only bad people fall in pits. A news reporter says, we will do a story on the plight of people in pits. An IRS collector would tell you, are you paying taxes on that pit? A TV evangelist would... Confess you're not in the pit. An optimist would say things could be worse. A pessimist would say things could be better. But Jesus Christ will lift you by the hand out of the pit. Guys, remember that just like Jonah, a lot of our own problems are our own making. But forgiveness is available through Jesus Christ. And regardless of what pit you're in, Christ alone can lift you out. Number three. Not only did he remember God's word, he repented of his sins. But number three, he was restored by God's grace. See, the Bible says the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Now, a lot of people would say that, well, Jonah was thrown up on the shores of Nineveh. No, that, that's not possible because Nineveh was about 375 miles away. He gets puked up on the shore. It's a nasty thought, isn't it? Now you've got to walk a bit. But God in his rich mercy by his grace, put Jonah back on dry land. You see, what I want you to understand this is we need, we need to not only examine ourselves and see where we stand in God's presence, but if we are failing, we need to repent of our sin. Because you know what? I'm not accountable for your sin. You are. And I'm accountable for mine. But I can promise you this. If you ask God for mercy, he will give it. And he will restore you. You see, only Christ can bring restoration. I think about the prodigal son. That if you take a picture of the father... Our Father, who will restore us back in his sight. You see, the prodigal son tells us of a man who wanted his inheritance, like J.D. Wentworth. I want it now. And his father said, well, take it. And his son takes it and he goes. But yet all that he had materialistically, he squandered. And he began to have to do something that was considered unclean. He ate and fed pigs. 
But let me tell you something about his son when he realized his state. He said, I would have been better as a servant. I'm going home. You see, the Bible tells me that when the son was seen from afar off, his father ran to him. Now, I want you to think about this, and probably not a part of this story that you think about. For him to run wearing the tunic that he was wearing, he would have had to pull up his outfit to run, showing his legs. But the picture was as his father ran to his son, restored him, and forgave him. Brothers and sisters, I don't care what you've done or where you've been. Christ is in the restoring business. I don't know what you're going through in life, but we always must look to ourselves. Now that being said, please hear the other side of this. Jonah caused his own problem. But the same Christ, who rather the problem is our own or whether it just happened. You see, sometimes things happen. Because God will use situations to get your attention. See, I think we fail to, fail to see that. You see, the Bible also tells me that there was a story of a blind man. His disciples said, whose sins caused this man to be this way? His or his parents? What did Jesus say? Neither. But that God's glory would be revealed through him. Regardless, he didn't do this. He was born this way. But I will tell you this, the same God that will deliver you, whether it's your fault or whether things just happen, is the same God that has always been and will always be and can lift you out of the pit. Amen? He remembered God's word. He repented of his sins. He was restored by God's grace. And let me give you a fourth one. Through this, let us reflect on the work of Christ. You see, as the Jews were being swallowed up by the Gentiles, God had mercy. And he allowed Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. Let me tell you what happened. We'll get into that a little later, but I'm going to give you a cliff notes. They repented. God's got a purpose. You see, I believe this story is real. You know why I believe it's real? Because Jesus quoted from it. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the well in Sheol for three days, so was Jesus. But being fully God yet fully man, he rose from the dead. And that's why we can be restored, people, because of the blood of Christ, because death had no victory over him. You see, just like Jonah, that grave is what we deserve. And we don't deserve to come out. We deserve hell. Because each one of us, in our own time, and our own way, have decided our way is better than God's. But God, in his yet grace and mercy, brought his son Jesus Christ to this earth. And the wrath that was due us, he poured upon his son. That that was due us was poured upon his son. But also Jesus Christ, being fully God and fully man, 
that he didn't stay in the grave long and he come out of it because let me tell you something to die for our sins he had to be a perfect man to raise from the dead he had to be perfect God and let me tell you something the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is a work in all of us who believe that's the gospel Let me assure you, and like the song says, Jesus walked out of the tomb, brothers and sisters, I'm going to be walking too. Now, I don't know when every one of us are going to leave this earth. But as I say many times, you can know how you leave it. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's just not knowing who Jesus is. The gospel is the proclamation of the person and working of Christ whereby me and you may be restored to him through faith in him. You see, here's the deal. The Bible tells us that we are to repent of our sin. And if you are a born-again believer, not only did you repent of your sin when you became a follower of Christ, you continue to repent of your sin as a follower of Christ. You see, because we have that drive in us that says, Lord, we're not going to be perfect, but we desire to conform to your image. You see? And it's a daily walk. And we will get off the step, but I praise God for the Holy Spirit to shove us back on it. But see, that's the difference you see in a backslidden man and one that don't know Christ. You see the difference? You commanded me to go. I said no. You took care of my consequences? Lord, it's my fault that I'm in this situation. I acknowledge you, and I'm sorry. Not only do I am I sorry, I will turn from it, and God put him back on the path. Brothers and sisters, please listen to me today. If you're out of the will of God, let me tell you something. It's a miserable state. And I can promise you there's nothing you're going to do to make it better. Not one thing. But Christ and Christ alone can draw you out of the pit and restore you. And you can walk on that path again. Amen? If you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, like I said, you don't have one. Chad, I, I know Christ, but the most important question is, does Christ know you? And the Bible says that who shall ever call upon my name shall be saved. And when you place your faith and trust in him and you go this way, but now you've changed directions, God will sustain you. He that saved you will sustain you. And yes, when Christ is in you, you're not going to live a perfect life, but you will desire to conform to the image of Christ. And like I said, once you get off the path, just like Jonah, the Holy Spirit will put you back on it. Brothers and sisters, I come to you today that I believe God's working in the city of Greer. I believe God's working here. And I'm not the prophet nor a son of a prophet. And I want to hear this. I want everybody to hear this. I do not send revival. I don't do it. And just because a church has a meeting and it calls it self about revival, let me tell you something very clearly. The Spirit of God alone sends revival.
period. And let me tell you something. When God's people get right and God's people start praying and crying out to him, things happen, people. And revival will start. And I'm praying today, and I ask that you pray with me. I don't know how many Jonas are out there, but let me tell you what. Let's get puked back up on shore and get on the right path. Because I believe God's going to do a work. And it's not going to be by the words of Chad, because I promise you I will let you down. And it's not going to be by the work of any of you, but it will be by the hand of God, and he will use our obedience. Isn't that great? Where do you stand today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you in a pit this morning? Look to the Father to lift you out of it. Because he alone can. Please believe me that a lot of the things that I have done have been my fault. God will restore you. He will forgive you and he will put you on that path. But ladies and gentlemen, let me encourage you this morning that some of us are in pits or may be in pits and we're trying to be obedient. And we may say, God, why are you doing this? I can promise you the same God that saved you will sustain you. There's a reason. And I don't know the mind, nor can I comprehend the person and the holiness of God, but I have faith and trust that he does what's right as my Father. God, I pray today that if there's not one here today that knows you, if you don't know them, that, Lord, you would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. God, I am praying for God's people for a revival. God, I believe a revival to be vibed, you got to be, I mean, be revived, you got to be vibed. I believe that revival begins among your people. And when your people get right, we are burning with a fire to serve your son, Jesus Christ, that we pronounce the gospel to the world. Lord, get us on that path. Lord, we pray that lives would be changed, that that remnant would grow. And Lord, your church, which is your bride, would stand in a loud voice and say, we will not be moved. That we preach boldness and we stand on the firm foundation of the word of God. Then Lord, we remember, we repent. Lord, we look at ourselves and after we repent, we are reconciled and we reflect on the word and the work of Jesus Christ. God, we pray today that you would use us for your glory, for you are worthy and you alone. We praise you and thank you. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us this morning.